and I loved it. I'll send you a copy. Bam! Bitch went down. Welcome back to Horror Queers. We are talking dolls. We're talking Jennifer Tilly. We're talking misgendering. I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And Joe, I have to know how this movie got made. But before before we do that, we should probably introduce our special guest. Now, listeners, you read his work at... Bloody Disgusting, Box Office, Uproxx, Billboard, Los Angeles Magazine, Curb LA, The Hollywood Reporter, and The Los Angeles Times... Please welcome Chris Egretson. Hello, hello. Thank you Yay. for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh I'm God. so excited to talk about Chucky with you guys. <laughs> I've been waiting for this episode for a long time because Joe's never seen it. Well, up until now, Joe never seen it. And I was just dying to see what he thought of it. And I don't really know what he thought of it yet. Yeah, it's true. Well, I was like the Virgin out. Mary auditioning for a Redman <laughs> video. I had never done it before. I'm sorry. It's Redman. Mr. Redman. Right, as jo- as John Waters and Jennifer Tilly would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we are talking about Seed of Chucky, the fifth entry in the Child's Play franchise, and franchise creator Don Mancini's directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the excitement that the six-week franchise period that we're doing entails. This is week number two. Week number two. Now, uh, okay, we'll say okay, we'll go, what, what is it called? Um... So I don't know. Called Seed of Chucky. <laughs> yes. I was like, what? What am I about to talk about? Like, it's uh, the the not logistics, but it's Your like fact sheet. I well, I know, but there was a word for it. Whatever, I'm cutting that out. So, Seed of Chucky. Um, oh, sorry, 15th anniversary of this film. It's actually not until November, but it is the oh. year of its 15th anniversary. Very cool. Aging yes. like a fine wine. Yes. Uh, Seed of Chucky released on November 12th, 2004, distributed by Rogue Pictures. Now, it is important to note that this is the first film that Rogue Pictures bought. It was a subsidiary of Focus Features. And interestingly enough, and maybe y'all read this, but Universal didn't want to do this (laughs) because they read. (laughs) They literally gave Don Mancini the note. So he wrote a treatment or a script for Son of Chucky, like immediately after Bride of Chucky came out and uh, was successful. And Universal was like, this is too gay. That is literally the note they gave him. Shocking. And apparently told him too much Jennifer Tilly, which there's no such thing. Yeah, Uh, maybe that falls under the too gay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so they basically like tried to like shop it around and eventually after the success of get this cabin fever in 2002 or three focus features was like we want to get into the horror business and they bought rogue pictures which used to be owned by universal and they were going to use rogue as their horror branch right, so kind of like dimension yes pretty much now granted Shaun of the dead was one of, like was released before this by rogue pictures but seed of chucky is the first thing that they bought <laughs> i'm sure they were a bit surprised with how that turned out yeah but anyway probably just thought that they had a chucky film on their hands they were like okay it's been seven years but there's still interest in this franchise we're totally gonna make a mint off of this killer what the fuck is this i i can't even y'all i mean i cannot believe it. okay we'll, we'll get into it <laughs> <laughs> the movie's 86 minutes long 80 like one or 82 without credits although i stay through the credits because i quite enjoy the one way or another themed clip show they show at the end oh mm-hmm. i missed that oh really? yes oh, yeah now the budget is twelve million dollars, but interestingly enough, this movie was filmed in Romania because they got a two million dollar rebate. So they actually only paid ten million dollars to make this movie. Hmm. 
Oh, wow. Okay, that's a good rebate. I mean, I couldn't tell at all from the, you know, those fake Hollywood <laughs> backdrops they put up. Oh my god, those were fake? They were, yeah. Those were some bad backdrops, I have to say. But I will say, considering the tone of this movie, it kind it of kind fits. Of works. Yeah. Fair point, fair point. Yeah. I'm just excited because a bunch of the Hellraiser direct-to-video sequels were also filmed in Romania. So this kind of means that this universe is also part of that universe. I don't think that's correct, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'll think on that. So I was trying to figure out why it was released in November, and it was actually because the first... Well, not because, but just coincidentally, the first two Child's Plays were also released the first or second week of November, their respective years. Hmm, Okay. Do we think that this is some kind of ill-conceived branding opportunity? Like, we'll get it out in November, it's perfect pre-Christmas release, we'll sell these Buddy dolls, and then people just scoop them up for their kids for Christmas? Wait, I'm sorry, Buddy is in the remake. Good guy. Good guy, sorry. Oh, I didn't catch that. You're going to be able to tell very quickly that my brain is not conducive with the Chucky franchise. I've only seen (sighs) four of the eight Seven. Well, there's seven. Yeah. God, God, Joe! (laughs) Even I knew that. Come on. (laughs) Wait, which ones have you not seen, Joe? Okay. Well, it's probably easier for me to tell you the ones I have seen. (laughs) I've seen one. I've seen Bride. I've now seen this. And then I've seen Cult. Oh, so you haven't seen two? But not Curse? I haven't seen two or three or Curse. Oh, dude, two is fun and Curse is good. Ooh. But we can't talk about Curse because that's one of the games. (laughs) Okay, fine. I, I think I've seen all of them except for the third one. Is that the one at the military school? Yes, I don't think I've seen yes. that one. You fuckers are killing me. God damn it. <laughs> you know that we have listeners right now that are like, why in the fuck are they talking about this franchise? They're not even true horror fans. And that is exactly how I feel about you right now. Well, we can just edit that out. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to edit Trace out of this episode completely. We'll just <laughs> dead it's air a Well, no, I mean, yeah. th- th- this is one of the big four franchises, which to me, the big four are hollow. Uh, no, mm-mm. no. Okay, no, but no, no, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no it's no. a big it's, four slasher franchise. Yes, it's yeah. Halloween, Friday, Child's Play, and Nightmare. Those are your big four. And people like to include Texas Chainsaw, but I do not include Texas Chainsaw oh. in, that, in that. Yeah, that's more of a... Sp- Maybe like a splatter film. I don't know. How would you? It is slasher, I guess. I don't know. Right. But when you're talking like the big four that made a mark on like mainstream pop culture, Mm -hmm. it's those. Texas Chainsaw did not do that. Oh, my God. You are so confrontational. That is not going to fly. No. Like merchandising. Like like, if you ask a layman, like someone who doesn't know horror, they're going to know like those movies before they know. Okay. They'll know the original Texas Chainsaw. They're not going to know the sequels. I don't categorize them because I don't think layman people actually do that. They just know horror. So I think that there's the big three, and then I think there's subsidiaries, which is like Texas Chainsaw, Hellraiser, Child's Play, Mm -hmm. and then you start to get into weird things like, you know, Pumpkinhead and some other ones where there's like one or two films. But Mm -hmm. I think it's like big three, and then everything else is kind of like filtered down. So you don't think the regular people know what Chucky is? I think they know, but if you ask them, like, how many films in the Chucky franchise, or... Um, um, I'm sorry, just because you two don't (laughs) know how many films are in the Chucky franchise, doesn't mean... Like, it's really sad, but I I could literally grab someone off the street right now and be like, how many Chucky films are there? And they would probably say seven. No. No Mm -hmm. way. I don't think a lot of people know that, like, the last two even came out, because they weren't even in theaters. I know. Well, y'all, I'm surprised this went to theaters. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a good point and an appropriate segue to get us back on topic. Yes, I apologize. <laughs> so I was going in a box office. But I say this movie opened at number four in November, which I still think is a really weird release date for this movie with eight point seven million dollars. Uh, again, we're looking at a twelve million. I'm sorry, a ten million dollar budget with that rebate. A secret ten. Yeah, it went on to gross seventeen million dollars, which today is twenty four point eight million. And it grows seven point seven million overseas for a worldwide total of oh that's weird also twenty four point eight million dollars. So needless to say, reception of this film was not that great. And I'm well, Joe. I know you just watched it, but Chris, I'm interested to see what your experience was the first time you watched this. But Rotten Tomatoes, you're looking at a thirty three percent from critics and a thirty nine percent from audiences. A rare instance of critics and audiences uh, feeling similarly about a product. Yes, very copacetic. Yes, and a Metacritic score of 46 out of 100 from critics and a 3.5 out of 10 from users. Yeah. I think this is probably the general consensus that this is the worst entry. What? It is, no, it absolutely is. Like, people hate this movie. Okay, well, I want to, yeah, I want to hear what both of you think. Of this movie? Well, I mean, Trace, I think you were about to rank them. But I'm interested to know, like, what was your initial first impression? Because I'm coming at this... I'm coming at it basically from the future where I got to say, oh, I've heard everyone's thoughts and feelings about this. So I was totally prepared going into this. I knew exactly what to expect. I I know I've been hogging the mic, so I'm going to let Chris go first. Mm, Okay, well, I think I'm in the minority on this one because I actually really enjoy this movie. When did you first see it? I, let's see, I, you know what? I was compiling a list for Bloody Disgusting. <laughs> when I wrote for Bloody Disgusting. And I think it was like the best killer toy movies or something. And I was like, oh, I've never seen that one. And so I watched it. I had heard how horrible it was supposed to be. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. But that was like, oh my God, maybe almost 10 years ago now. So I thought, oh, maybe I don't trust my opinions even from like 10 years ago. So I'm like, maybe it's really terrible. But when I watched it this time, I was again pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's not a great film by any stretch. It's certainly not the best film in the franchise. But I think it kind of works on its own merits. You know, I think what he was trying to do with it, which is basically creating sort of almost like a farcical Chucky movie, actually, and the, you know, sort of the, the, the self-awareness of it all and the, the meta textual elements of it, I think actually work really well and make for a really entertaining film. So. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you guys are going to disagree with me on that, which I think most people would. Well, so we'll get to Joe last. I'll go next. So I saw this movie in theaters in 2004. I was 15. Now, to give you a picture of this, though, so the first R-rated horror movie that I saw in theaters was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake in 03. So, like, this is, like, a year of my dad and I, like, you know, finally getting to go do these things with each other. And I was so excited for Seed of Chucky because I, re- I I probably just watched the franchise, like, you know, one through Bride within the past, like, year or two before seeing Seed. And I was so excited to see my dad. It was, like, a pre-Thanksgiving horror movie. And we go to see Seed of Chucky. And that's when you came out to him. <laughs> I, no, um, I actually, no, I had not come out yet. Um, I was, what, a f- it was the beginning of my sophomore year, so I would come out less than a year later. Hmm. Anyway, I was nevertheless taken aback, because the trailer for this movie is not, like, doesn't really show much footage, and so I was very surprised, and so I didn't like it, and I, I remember apologizing to my dad when we left, because he liked the Chucky movies, he'd seen the first three, he'd seen Bride, and I remember being like, I'm so sorry, I didn't know it was going to be like that. Now, I watched it again, like, five years ago, and I liked it more, but I still thought that maybe only a fourth of the jokes landed, and I was like, I get what it's doing, I don't think it's successful. But then I watched it two nights ago, and I was like, 
I kind of had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> I definitely like it more than three. I, it's not one of the better. I, I, and I might like it more than Cult, just because it's more fun. But bear in mind, I don't dislike any of these movies. I could put any of these movies on and have fun with it. But I do yeah. have more respect for this one 15 years later. Hmm. That's what it takes. It takes 15 years to come around. <laughs> yeah. Or three viewings. I mean, again, three. Because bear in mind, when this came out, no one knew it was going to be like this. Bride did move the franchise into more camp humor territory. And this one just fucking ran with it. So, well, we'll get into, like, Mancini's reception. Like, what he thought about the reception. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I had a thought when I was kind of researching this film after watching it, which was... I think part of the reason people hated it so much was because it was so overtly queer, you know, well, the whole Glenn Glenda thing and, and, uh, you know, Jennifer Tilly being such a gay icon and them kind of like not necessarily playing out that, that element of her persona, but I mean, just having Jennifer Tilly, you know, in so much of this film and her being Jennifer Tilly, I think maybe turned off a lot of like straight, hardcore horror male fans. Um, It did. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's, I think, gotten such a bad rap, or at least part of the reason. So I I, I did pull an article that Lewis Peitzman wrote for BuzzFeed, where he got to basically go through the franchise. And there's a direct quote from Mancini, where he says, there were a lot of the core horror fans who are young, straight guys who were like, what the hell is this? And basically, you know, saying like, I made a very queer movie. And this straight horror fan base, which is the most vocal of that like group, well, back then, no, yeah, like that's changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just hated it. And they like kind of directed the, but again, I've talked to some queer people who don't like this, but I think again, given a rewatch in today's climate, I think people would appreciate this movie. I mean, fuck, even Brad Miska, our editor at Bloody, like loves this movie. Oh, does he love it? Okay. He does. No, he does. And he's not queer, mind you, but yeah. he, re- he really likes it. <laughs> I mean, I was being facetious when I said, oh, it takes 15 years to come around to this film. But in a certain extent, I actually do think that this film has aged better than you might expect. Mm -hmm. I honestly do think that a lot of the trans issues, which would have been either very polarizing or so unexpected to unassuming audiences, like even back in 2004, these are conversations that were actively having within the last year, this whole idea about like, what is the role of correctly gendering someone, you know, addressing them by their proper given names, all of these kinds of issues have really come to the forefront. So when I was watching it last night, I was very much on board with it. And I think some of the metatextual kind of campy over the top queer horror humor parts, they've also played very, very well. It didn't hurt that I knew that Tilly and Don Mancini just absolutely love each other. Like, if you follow either of them on Twitter, they're constantly just, like, complimenting each other and posting pictures of each other, and they're lovely, the best of friends. But you can see a kind of genuine warmth and affection. Like, to me, it really came across very well. This film just seems to be having so much fucking fun. Like, I I really, really enjoyed it. So I watched the movie, and I immediately watched the commentary with Tilly and Mancini afterwards, and it's such a blast like they enjoy each other like she i could listen to jennifer tilly do anything like she's you know people like oh i would listen to meryl streep read the phone book i would listen to jennifer tilly read the phone book i think she's so funny and she's just genuinely nice and a great poker player to boot 
Oh, is she one okay. of those like those tournament poker players? Oh yeah, she's like famous for that. Like, like oh. I want to say after, maybe before, during, or after, or after, or all the above. This like she was when they were doing like the films, like poker celebrity poker tournaments. Like she was like a big winner. Like she's a crazy poker nut. Oh, I do wow. remember that. Yeah, we all. Sorry, I'll go down really quickly because I know we did our reception, like our reception. Um, let's just really quickly just go down some of our main players of the movie before we really just dive into this, because there's so much to talk about, and I'm really glad that all of us kind of like it. So, yes, directorial debut of Don Mancini, written by Don Mancini. Now, Mancini has written all of these films by himself, except for the first one. First one, he had a draft, which... Polished by Tom Holland, right? Well, so there's three screenwriters. So it was polished, it was redone by John Lafia. Because basically, Mancini's original script, it would have been where um, the doll was filled with fake blood that allowed it to bleed if played with roughly. <laughs> and Andy mm-hmm. would have mixed his own blood with the dolls. Um, and then basically the doll would have like been acting on Andy's suppressed rage. So it was kind of a brood type situation. Interesting. And okay. I'm, one, I'm wondering if the remake is going this route, by the way. But... I don't know. But anyway, so John Lafayette redid it. He made the... Oh, and also, it was going to be more of a mystery as to whether it was Chucky or Andy doing the kills. Ugh, not interested in that at all. Well, so that's Mancini's original script. So the script was, you know, accepted by United Artists, um, a subset of MGM. And it was rewritten by John Lafayette to make the character of Andy, more, of Andy more sympathetic. They also had Charles Lee Ray's soul being transferred into the doll after being uh, executed by the electric chair. As it was being manufactured on an assembly line. Then. Is it also because they watched Shocker? <laughs> right. Oh. Is that before or after? I don't know. I think Shocker was 89 and I think this was 87. Yeah. Right around the same time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they had spies on Wes Craven's like house or something. Like they're like, I saw this thing on his computer. Well, or typewriter. <laughs> Either that or Wes Craven was like, hmm. Serial killer getting passed through with electricity. Sure, yeah, I'll yeah. take that. It is eighty nine, by the way. Child's plays eighty nine. No, shocker is okay. I think I think Child's plays eighty seven. Anyway, so but then Tom Holland was brought on. But get this, Tom Holland, who really had his main thing that he'd done before this was Fright Night. He was hired on Steven Spielberg's recommendation, and so he did a repolish of the script. So yeah, the original Child's Play has three credited writers with the story by Don Mancini. Hmm. But two through cult, all solely written by Mancini. So yeah, and it, honestly, he hasn't really done much besides that. Although he did write this movie called Cellar Dweller under the pseudonym Kit Dubois. Oh, I saw that he had a pseudonym. What is that about? I don't uh, know, to be honest. I think he's writing, like, dirty books. Is that his Glenda? What? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's done some TV, too. I think he did write some episodes of Hannibal as well. Hannibal, he did do Hannibal and... and he did Channel Zero. Yes. Oh, and Channel Zero, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he's remained active. Hopefully now, too, the Child's Play TV series, which I believe has been confirmed to go next year on Sci-Fi. So, you know, I mean, I'll believe it when I see production starts, but yeah, we'll see. It's one of those things. Okay, so let's let's clear the air right now. So one of the reasons that we're doing Seed of Chucky instead of addressing the new Child's Play is because we support Don Mancini on this podcast. Chris, I'm categorizing you as a member yeah. of that group. And if you oh, don't, yes. then fuck off. <laughs> uh, no, not you, Chris. You have to stay. All right, I'll stay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> listeners, fuck off. 
But yeah, we we wanted to clarify that it's not that we wish ill will on the new franchise. We like a lot of the people who are in it. We think it actually looks okay. But a big part of this is that we want to support financially our queer horror creators. Don Mancini has been shepherding this franchise for 30 plus years at this point. He wants to continue making products with it. So if the new Child's Play does well, there is a chance that it could then circumvent his television plans or future films made by Don Mancini. So it's not that we're advocating for its demise or its financial failure, but we would rather support him and cast a light on his work as opposed to straight creators who are stealing from gay creators to Mm. turn a profit. Yeah. And yeah. if I may really quickly, because I know some people might wonder like how there can be a remake while the original franchise is still going on. I have just a brief kind of boring rights explanation really quick. No, this kind of shit it's is actually, important. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it's not that boring. It's kind of an intro. I was reading about this. It's kind of interesting. Okay. And by the way, Child's Play was 88. Apologies if y'all were yelling at us as we were saying 87. <laughs> okay. So they might have been in production at the same it time. It might have been. <laughs> <laughs> so, United Artists released the original Child's Play in 88 and greenlit the second film immediately because it was a huge hit. Yeah. The sequel was in pre-production when a United Artists executive told producer David Kirshner, who has, by the way, produced all these movies and him and Mancini seem to be great buds. I mean, fuck, Kirshner produced Seed of Chucky. Cool. But they basically told him that the film was put on hold as the studio was about to be acquired by Australian group Quintex or Kintex. There's no U in it, which is really weird. I'm not saying that. Um, <laughs> Australians, correct us. Yes. But this this group basically said, oh, we don't want to do horror films. That's not in our best interest. So after offers with Paramount, Warner Brothers, Columbia, 20th Century Fox, The Price Company, Coralco, TriStar Pictures, <laughs> New Line Cinema, and Touchstone. Offers were expected. They all rejected the film, the sequel. So Kirshner produced Child's Play 2 independently with Universal Pictures distributing. And then it went to Universal, and then obviously with Seed, it went to Rogue. Basically, from what I understand, though, is because he produced it independently and the, the rights weren't bought by a studio, then United Artist, thus MGM, has the rights to to the original movie, which is why there's a remake happening. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So they can use the same characters from that original film. So yes. the names, the likeness, and so on. Correct. Yes, it is United Artists releasing it. So th- that's exactly what it is. It's a real weird situation, and they did approach Mancini to produce the remake. Which basically just means like, hey, we'll throw you a little bit of money. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, no, no creative capacity whatsoever. And Mancini did say on an interview with Mick Garris on his postmortem podcast, his ex- and so I'm done after this, I promise. <laughs> his exact quote was, we said no thank you because we have our ongoing thriving business with Chucky. Obviously, my feelings were hurt and I did create the character and nurture the franchise for three decades. So when someone says, oh yeah, we would love to have your name on the film, it was hard not to feel like I was being patronized. They just wanted our approval, which I strenuously denied them and that is why we are covering this film today yeah and good for fucking him like yeah somebody comes to you and says hey so i know that you're still doing things but we don't really respect that and we can't make money off of that so we'd really like you to sign on this dotted line so that we could make it seem like you support us Mm -hmm. as we go off and try to make money on your creation like that's fucking bullshit i mean he still would have made money i'm assuming from it had he said yes but yeah I i get it yeah. I mean, and, and you know, a lot of people would have signed on that dotted line, let's be honest, if they were going to get yeah. a payday from it. So that's yeah. pretty punk rock on his part. Yeah. 100%. Full mad respect to him for that. Yeah. 
I will say, I mean, Don Mancini has, this is one of the few slasher franchises that continues reinventing itself in really interesting ways. For sure. Yes. And has throughout the life of the franchise. I mean, and that's all him, you know? So I really give him a lot of credit for like keeping it fresh. You know what? I'll buy that from you, Chris. Joe, you can agree to that shit because you haven't seen all these movies. (laughs) Oh. I've seen I've so, seen enough of well, them. And I, I didn't see the Military Academy one, so right. But but actually, and that's the one that even Mancini thinks is his worst one because he's like, at that point, I was out of ideas. Like he's even gone on record for saying that. So I wonder if that's why there's a bit of that break between three and four. Then, well, the third one came out like nine months after the second one because the second one again was a big hit, and they were like, "Fuck, get get us a script now!" And he just churned it out. Yeah. Because that's what you fucking do. That's what they did in the 80s and the early 90s with these franchises, right? Mm-hmm. It was like Britney Spears albums. You had to get a new one out every year or less someone forgets that mm. you even exist. Well, speaking of Britney Spears. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. what a ra- it's such a random gag in this movie when they basically run her off of a cliff. And it car. doesn't work. I don't think the joke is funny at all. It was using no. all the marketing. It's probably the worst joke in the movie. And and this is like coming from someone who, again, on this third watch, I liked a lot more of the jokes this time. A lot more of them landed for me. But that one does not. That one honestly felt like it was included so that it could be put into a trailer for a marketing kind of gag. Yeah. I mean, it felt like a, like a scary movie gag or something, you know? Yeah. Like the scary movie franchise. We're talking about like scary movie five. Like that seems yeah. like it belonged in scary movie five. <laughs> right, right, right. Do you think right. that was Shannon Elizabeth with a blonde wig on? It was not. It was not. <laughs> no, Trace. This is when you say yes and you go with it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I like this, the first three scary movies. So, you know. Well, that's before they really fall off a cliff. But uh, see anyway. the Chucky. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, well, fuck, where, where would y'all like to start with this movie? Shall I read a plot summary? God damn it. Yes. <laughs> yes, please do. More exposition. This is yeah. like some, some good way for good fight shit where we're like 25 minutes in and then we roll the credits. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was important shit to get through. And I'll, I'll take a backseat because I know I've hogged the mic. Go ahead. <laughs> It's fine. Okay. So, Seed of Chucky. After a credit sequence in which sperm impregnate an egg and a POV nightmare wherein a family are killed by a doll, we're introduced to Shitface. The talking doll travels to Hollywood after seeing an interview given by Tiffany and Chucky dolls on the set of a new Chucky film starring Jennifer Tilly. There, Shitface uses the amulet... (laughs) from previous films, to bring back both serial killers, at which point they immediately decapitate a technician. Because, you know, you gotta kill people in a horror film. Played by the real technician. Yeah, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Upon realizing that Shitface is their child, both Tiffany and Chucky misgender him. So Tiffany calls her Glenda, and Chucky calls him Glenn. Which, of course, is a play on the film. The trio escapes the crime scene in Tilly's limo as the actress hatches a plan to star in Rudmond's forthcoming biblical epic by sleeping with him, much to the chagrin of her infatuated driver, Stan. Glenn Glenda wonders if they, too, will become a killer, and Tiffany makes Chucky promise that they will stop killing. Meanwhile, Tilly fires her moralistic assistant, who I will only be referring to as S-Club 7 for the remainder of the episode. (laughs) So... 
Tilly fires her moralistic assistant as Club 7 and prepares to seduce Redman. While Tiffany knocks out the humans, Chucky takes Glenn, because it's Chucky deciding that Glenn is his son, to kill first Britney Spears and then nosy photographer Pete Peterson, played by John Waters. <laughs> Returning to the house, Tiffany uses Chucky's sperm to impregnate Tilly so that Glenn or Glenda will have a body. And at dinner the next day, Redman is disemboweled by Tiffany for being rude and Tilly experiences an accelerated pregnancy. <laughs> Just reading this is so ridiculous. (laughs) The plan goes awry when the bodies are discovered. As Tilly goes into labor, S Club 7 is lit on fire and thrown over the banister, and limo driver Stan takes a knife intended for Tilly after she gives birth to twins, both a boy and a girl. Tiffany and Chucky disagree on their future plans and come to blows. Chucky axes Tiffany in the head, and Glenn Glenda retaliates by amputating all of his father's limbs before finally beheading him. In the coda, Tilly appears to be possessed by Tiffany and brutally dispatches the nanny of her atrociously wigged twins, while five-year-old Glenn (laughs) appears to be possessed by Glenn Glenda, who is attacked by the disembodied arm of Chucky as the screen cuts to Mm. black. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm in. I am too, but I was gonna say, it seems like Glenn's soul though split in two. Like Glenn is in Glenn, and Glenda is in Glenda. Okay, yeah. I'll be honest. I found the coda kind of difficult to decipher. It is. So that wasn't clear because part of me wondered if the film was trying to suggest that Glenn or Glenda had made a decision as to which gender they preferred. Because it, you hear Glenn. Like, you hear their voice yeah. when Glenn is talking to himself. But because Glinda is the crazy one, and she's the one that's, like, omening out outside that room as Fulvia, which I swear to God, I thought it was Volvia, <laughs> <laughs> is getting funny. murdered. I mean, th- th- that's how I read it. I mean, I mean... <laughs> I think that probably makes sense. They split the killer into the girl and Glenn, or the regular yeah. character, into Glenn. But then it's also saying that the woman's the crazy one. yeah. Not yeah. totally feminist, but no. um, yeah, it was a little, it was a bit confusing at the end there, I will admit. But I don't know. Again, this movie is just, I mean, just hearing that plot summary, it's just fucking nuts. Like, it's just crazy. But it like in a way that makes you go like, oh, I want to watch that. Like, what is this? You know? So can we talk about cum for a second? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As it pertains to the film or just in general? Uh, both. Do Why you not? Need tips. <laughs> how do, okay, how so do we all feel about? How do we all feel about cum? <laughs> no, but I forgot that this movie opens with cum dripping on the screen. Yeah, that was that was surprising to me too. I had forgotten that before like going into a cumo vision, and then a look who's talking homage with the semen <laughs> with the sperm. If only they were talking in Chucky's voice. That would have been great. Oh, the little sperm? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be good. Well, wow. I would have liked it if they did the round, round, get around, I get around, which is what <laughs> Look Who's Talking did. Um, hello. $10 million budget. You can't afford a Beach Boys song on the album. No, what they have is Pino DiNaggio's score for this movie. And by the way, if y'all don't know, and listeners, if you don't know, Pino DiNaggio is very famous for doing a lot of De Palma's scores. He did the score for Carrie, Dressed to Kill, Blowout, Body Double. He's also done the score for Don't Look Now, Piranha, Tourist Trap. It's insane. And then he did Seed of Chucky. Yeah. I mean, you gotta work. Sure. <laughs> yeah. He's... Honestly, when you said it, I was like, wait, is he talking about a wine? Oh, okay. The composer. Got it. Yeah. The composer. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So lots of cum in this movie. Actually, and this, this is the only scene where there's cum. No, the scene there's where the she's baster. got the turkey baster and there's like a CGI drop of cum that's about to fall out the tip of it. Mm-hmm. So 
Icky, Chris, do you know where else there's come in this movie? Well, no, those are the two. Those are the two moments. It's the the intro and the turkey baster. So you're also forgetting just the masturbation in general when he's masturbating to Fangoria. Oh, well, that's true. But there's no, we don't see the cum in that. That's scene. right. Oh yeah, yeah, there's no visual cum. There's no well, visual he, cum. He holds up a little jar, doesn't he? Because isn't that why Jennifer Tilly freaks out on the couch? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? Oh, you're yeah. right. He is holding like a jar of it at one point. Wow, there's a lot more cum in this movie than I thought. <laughs> there's so much cum. Oh, bless you, Don Mancini. <laughs> um, but it's yeah. funny, right? Because none of that is even remotely gay right like it's queer but it's not gay he disagrees it's a little gay. <laughs> i mean i just you don't see a lot of cum in movies outside of you know gay ones yeah i was literally about to say oh we just talked about knife plus heart <laughs> which is I'm a like, gay oh, one okay, yeah which is a bit gay did they get away with it because it's doll cum and it's not like supposed to be human cum oh 100 percent. yeah yeah Got to think so Get away with it, like as in, like the ratings board wasn't like that's an NC seventeen. I I just I'm trying to think of other movies that we've seen like actual cum just like flying around. Well, I mean, not flying around, but the the, the biggest one that comes to mind is there's something about Mary. Oh, yeah, that oh, that's, that's true. Because it's hanging that's from his rated for sure. Yeah, but it's not NC seventeen. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Uh, we've got another cum turkey baster in Don't Breathe. I was thinking about that. I don't know that. how much of that Ooh. you actually see. Oh, and there was a drip in that one, though, but it is not. I, I don't think it's CGI, but <laughs> there is definitely a drip in that one. But that is a super polarizing piece. Like, this is strictly played for laughs. Yeah. Right. For right. sure. Which is funny. Well, no, actually, it's the opposite of funny because you're literally talking about a woman being sexually assaulted while she's been knocked unconscious. But she's being assaulted by herself, and it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one can accuse this woman of being politically correct in any capacity. No. I mean, there's a reason John Waters agreed to do this movie, right? Well, no, but he actually likes the Chucky franchise. They asked him because, okay, oh, fuck, there was a story in the commentary, but basically crazy like six figures of kevin bacon so justin whalen plays andy in child's play three justin whalen was in john waters serial mom and basically justin whalen told don mancini oh yeah like john waters really likes your chucky movies and so that's why don mancini went and asked him hey do you want to be in this movie i'm making it super gay that's amazing oh my god can you imagine being on set when john waters meets don mancini and jennifer tilly is probably just like smoking a fag in the back like <laughs> Uh, yeah uh, yeah it's great now okay so this movie is a big diversion into just straight up comedy nothing in this movie is scary and obviously that's why it was polarizing for fans and why a lot of people don't like it but see i knew that going into this where people said like it's super campy it's over the top it's ridiculous it's really kind of graphically gross out sexual so i went in thinking that there were no kills but the kills hit oh, yeah. hard in this film. Like, I was genuinely surprised at it's the gory. deaths in this movie. They're really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The John Waters one possibly being a highlight. It's got to be one of the best ones in the franchise. It is. But see, I, I go back between that and Redmond's, Mr. Redmond's um, steaming intestines. Like, oh, I think that one's true. really fun, too. Yeah. I feel like that one wouldn't work if they weren't steaming. But the fact that there's that added touch is just like, <laughs> ah, chef's kiss. <laughs> oh, by the way, apparently they wanted Tarantino for that role playing himself. Oh, and he that. said no. <laughs> so they went to Redman. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is so much better. It's so much better. Yeah. 
For sure. The whole idea is that it's kind of hacky and that you could seduce the director to get a part makes it all the better when it's Redman who's oogling Jennifer Tilly's boobs. Yes. Now, speaking of Tilly, so I think the most successful part of this movie is Tiffany, or Jennifer Tilly lampooning herself. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Every single joke had me laughing out loud. And did y'all know, I have a thing for actors like making fun of themselves. The only joke that Tilly, I can't want to say Tiffany, that Jennifer Tilly had an issue with that she wanted removed was the Gina Gershon is fingering me joke. Oh my god. (laughs) She thought it was in poor taste and she thought it was going to like upset Gina Gershon. And Mancini basically said, oh yeah, it's okay, just film it, we'll cut it out. And then he didn't cut it out. Oh my god. Well, they're still talking, so... Yeah, no, and they they make fun of it on the commentary. Like, that's where I got that little bit of trivia. And she's like, yeah, and I had already gone to Gina Gershon about, like, the bound threesome line. And then I saw the movie and saw that, like, you left the line in, so I had to have lunch with Gina again to say, by the way, there's also this (laughs) other line. (laughs) I have to say it's a funny moment. I mean... it gets a huge laugh. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. Yes. I've got to think that if you're Gina Gershon, you've probably heard every joke that can be made about Bound at this point. And for Jennifer Tilly to be the one delivering it in such a campy performance, <laughs> I mean, she was probably like, you know what? God bless you. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> I did like her um, most improved 2002 trophy, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a hanger as an homage to Mommy Dearest. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that reference. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad gay, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think my favorite was when Tiffany says, oh my God, she's a complete slut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. And then I also love when she's pulling Jennifer Tilly and she's like, fuck, she's fat. I can't believe she's not pregnant yet. And that was an ad lib by Tilly, by the way. Was it? Uh, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, this movie, I have to say, is so brutal on Jennifer Tilly, but it's like with her full like investment, yeah. you know? <laughs> It's brutal. I mean, she's like always talking about how she's washed up and I won an Oscar and look what the, I'm working on this fucking movie now. And like, but it's Which so you're good. Clearly meant to infer is also a commentary on the actual film that she's starring in. <laughs> Not just the film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just hysterical. Like, I love that Don Mancini and Jennifer Tilly were so confident in their own skills and what they were making that they were just like, yeah, let's make fun of the movie that we're making for profit. Yeah. I mean, you gotta wonder, you know, what made him go, because again, like I said, Bride is, you know, your diversion into horror comedy. What made him just want to go balls to the wall like this, which is campy nonsense? Again, I I mean, I think it just goes back to him wanting to just reinvent the franchise. I also read an interview with him where he was basically talking about how, look, Chucky's not scary anymore. I know that. Like, there's diminishing returns on the the scare factor with franchises like this. So I'm just going to go completely in the opposite direction, which actually was really smart, I think, because, Mm -hmm. okay, I have to say, I never found Chucky scary. Like, I never found any of these movies remotely scary because the sight of seeing, like, a doll wielding a knife is just, like, so hilarious inherently that I just could never totally take it seriously. Yeah. But I like, again, I, I respect that he wanted to go in a different direction and sort of reinvent things and go even further with what they did in Bride. How old are you, Chris? Well, I'm 38. <sighs> a good 38. I never asked yeah. that. 
Well, no, because I was trying to figure out, okay, like, how old were you when these movies were in their prime? So both of y'all, because both of y'all are old, were in your, like, you know, what, like, seven, eight when these movies were coming out. So I'm actually surprised that y'all never found them scary because that's kind of the age there where, like, you would see the box covers in Blockbuster or something and you would, you know, oh, be scared yeah. by Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the act of actually watching the movies as an adult... Like oh, the, yeah. I, the idea of Chucky for a child is terrifying, right? Because it's mm-hmm. a killer doll, for God's sake. But as an adult, I was never, I mean, I never found them scary. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. But if you're going by inner, like, fun factor, I think the first one is probably the least fun because it's trying to be the most serious. Oh, well, yeah. But I, I, I think quality-wise, the first one's, like, one of the better ones. Oh, sorry, by the way. Bride, then two, then one, then curse, then... S- well, I was going to say then cult, but honestly, it might be then seed, then cult, then three. P.S. Mm, okay. So this is still coming in on the lower end of your ratings, but as you acknowledged earlier, you don't dislike any of them. It's just yeah. you prefer some of the other ones. Absolutely. Like, I, 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 I never revisit three. Three is fine. It has some good moments. I hate the military school setting. I hate it. And I don't like Justin Whalen as Andy. Mm, yeah. The first one is the most associated with the traditional dichotomy of a child with his doll. And, you know, it's about parenting and trying to appease your child by giving him a friend who then turns out to be a homicidal possessed serial killer. And then every film from that point on, I think with the exception of two, which I haven't seen, so feel free to clarify. Two is very fun. They all kind of move away from this idea of a doll and a child, right? Like, I think number two keeps that a little bit. But every other one, like, there's no children in this movie until the end, and they become, you know, a punchline. So it's hard to mine the premise for horror, because inherently dolls are not scary to adults unless, you know, you're fucking Annabelle or whatever that shit. Which, again, it's like, that's not scary to adults. I think the idea of dolls being possessed is scary when you have children in the mix because they trust their toys. And they get rid of the kids, though, starting with Bride. And what's interesting with the series timeline is the third one, though released nine months after two, is set nine or seven or eight or nine years after two. But then three, which was released in, I think, 91, is set one month before Bride, which was released in 98. Wait, is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. Weird. Yeah, it's supposed to be one month before Bride, which is kind of insane. And then, of course, they drop the Andy. Like, the only reference to Andy and Bride is a newspaper clipping during the opening credits. What did they? Was that established in Bride of Chucky that it happens a month uh, later? Or is that just... It's just... Um, on the internet. It's on the internet as canon, and I believe Mancini's confirmed it, but that that is the case. Interesting. So, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that's what this is all about. <laughs> yes, it's a competition. <laughs> I just, like, even though I don't think in terms of quality, well, actually, no, I think out of my big four slashers, I think it's the most consistent franchise in terms of quality. Like, even though it's not my favorite slasher franchise, because it reinvents itself so much, and again, each entry, like, it has its detractors, it has its followers, they're just all so fun, and there's a passion that Mancini has that's very evident in all of these movies, especially this one. Mm Mm-hmm, Yeah. As someone who is a staunch defender of the Hellraiser films, you know, I can look at those films and acknowledge that more than 50% of them are just absolute garbage pieces Mm -hmm. of shit. 
And the biggest issue with them is that no one who inherits the franchise, like, because of course it's passed around through a million different people at this point, and it's, you know, developed from various different alternative spec scripts that have nothing to do with the franchise that they just insert Cenobites into. But really, at the end of the day, none of those films try to do anything remotely new, whereas with almost every different iteration of the Child's Play slash Chucky franchise, they're trying something new. It's not Mm -hmm. always successful, but at least they're not just resting on the laurels. Right. And that goes back again to Mancini's involvement and him being like fully invested in this property, you know? I mean, this is his baby. He was like a, he was a a film student at UCLA when he wrote the first one. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this has like been his entire career, literally his entire career. And I don't remember if we said this at the outset, but Mancini is a gay man. (laughs) I don't know if we've actually said that since we started recording. Uh, I think we we called him a queer creator, but I don't know that we fully publicly disclosed it. Okay, well, we have that. And uh, granted, there's no queer characters in the franchise until Bride, which has, you know, the gay best friend character who gets (laughs) obliterated by a truck. And then this. And then this. So we should probably address the Glenn Glenda of it all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts on Glenn Glenda? (laughs) I mean, it's so ridiculous. I was reading an interview that he gave where he was talking about how he was trying to, like, obviously kind of make a point with the whole thing. But I don't know what the point is other than to just introduce this element into a horror film, which is obviously a very unusual thing. Mm -hmm. But if there was a message in there, it was completely lost on me. I don't know about you guys. Interesting, because the big piece that I took away from it was this idea that Glenn Glenda doesn't know who they are, and their gender is just immediately put upon them based on whatever Tiffany and Chucky want, and it ultimately ends up fucking Glenn Glenda up so much that, you know, that's why you get the eye blinking, that's why you get the cross-dressing, which I think is, for me, that's the problematic aspect, is this idea that it's not clear that Glenn Glenda is acting out male-female roles or that they're trying something different. It's that, as you suggested earlier, Trace, it's that apparently the female persona is more homicidal and the male is not. But I mean, it also plays into the whole stereotype, I guess, of like the crazy transvestite killer, you know? So right, that's what I mean when I say it's muddled. It's kind of like, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a movie about killer dolls, right? But yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I appreciate the intention with whatever he was doing with Glenn Glenda, but I will, I will confess Glenn Glenda is my least favorite part of this movie. And I don't like Billy Boyd's voice for the <laughs> character. Mm. That's just his voice. <laughs> I, I I know, and, and that was very intentional. Like Mancini was like, I wanted him to sound like this, you know, British Hobbit, which is like just he really sounds he sounds like Tiny Tim, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. And obviously, it makes no fucking sense. Like whatever, like nothing in this movie makes sense. But I just don't like Glenn or Glenn, Glenn Glenda. Uh, well, I think part of it is that that's the serious element of this narrative, right? It's about mm-hmm. transposing the adulting plotline from the first couple of films now on to Chucky and Tiffany. I don't think it's the most successful part of this film because mm-hmm. I think it takes away from the camp and the humor, which is highly enjoyable to watch. Yeah. But I like this idea that Tiffany and Chucky are so self-centered narcissists that they can't even see the harm that they're doing to their own child, whom they both profess to love. And they try to kind of change their behavior. But ultimately, what they end up producing is a very messed up child because they force 
their parental beliefs onto someone who is not ready to figure out what their identity is. Like Mm. that speaks to me so strongly in 2019 when we're talking about transgender people who aren't being acknowledged by their self-identified genders that are Mm. not being acknowledged by other people. Like that's what I meant by this conversation being so relevant in this time. Yeah, it it definitely is a relevant element of this film in terms of like present day. But again, I just feel like the whole the whole I mean, I agree it's it is kind of the weakest element of the movie. While I appreciate him injecting that into it, it doesn't totally work. Yeah, I I, I buy that too. I think Joe, you're on something where you say it's the most serious part of the movie is because the movie is so funny and again your mileage may vary and i fully again as right, someone who didn't yeah. think this movie was very funny five years ago <laughs> i think if you go in with the right mindset you will find it very funny and if you go in thinking this is the latest entry in a chucky film and i get to see a killer doll you're gonna be like what is this? yeah but then every time it cuts to glenn it's like a record scratch and it's like oh we have to stop for this fucker to like yeah. get his shit figured out and i don't care There's like a whole passage of the film, like sort of in like the mid to late second act where I feel like Glenn Glenda almost kind of disappears. Disappears. Yeah, he does. And it's almost like they didn't quite know what to do with that character. Well, and like also because the funniest parts of Glenn's scenes are Chucky's reactions. Like whenever like Glenn's like, violence is bad. No, violins. Violins are bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is stupid, but I love it so much. But the, the, you know what? The dynamic between Chucky and Tiffany is so good. Like, you don't, whenever it cuts away from that or from Jennifer Tilly's plotline. Oh, God. It's yes. like, oh, we're back to Glenn Glenda. You know, it's almost yeah. kind of a bummer, you know? It is. In your 81 minute movie. Yeah. I mean, this, for me, this movie is just all about Jennifer Tilly. She's just so good in this role. I mean, Oh, 100%. You know, you have to wonder, like, was she depressed when she made, like, Bride of Chucky movie? Because, you know, she was nominated. Was she nominated for, like, Bullets Over Broadway? Was that the movie? Yes. Yeah, she was nominated for Woody Allen's Bullets Over Broadway. She did not win. And that was, like, early 90s, I think. No, was it really? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, but then, okay, right, because then Bride of Chucky was 98, I think. Yeah, Bride of Chucky was 98. Bullets Over Broadway is 94. 94. She was in, like, the Fabulous Baker Boys in 89. Like, you know, between Bullets Over Broadway and this, I mean, obviously she did Bound, which Mm -hmm. not at the time, like, a big runaway hit, but (laughs) big cult following now. Yeah. She was in Liar Liar in 97 in a bit part. I mean, the gall of putting Jennifer Tilly in a bit part in a Jim Carrey movie. I mean, are you kidding me? 100 fucking percent. And I mean, granted, she's funny. Actually, no. I mean, she's fine in that movie. She doesn't have anything to do. But yeah, then Bride of Chucky in 98. I mean, because now when you think of Jennifer Tilly, you think of two things. You think of Tiffany and you think of Bound. Those are the two things you think of. And then straight men think of poker. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Or her boobs. Well, yes. Always her boobs. Oh, and like again, like I, I know I said I have a thing for like you know actually being able to make fun of herself. She comments on her weight a lot during the commentary because apparently the the scene where she goes back to the effects studio to get her candy bar <laughs> from Chucky, <laughs> <laughs> that was the last scene she filmed, and she commented on the fact that she's like, oh, I gained so much weight. I'm surprised the script supervisor didn't say anything. Like, hey, we need to wait to film this for two weeks so she can lose some weight. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, wow. She's so self-deprecating, but that's one of her main appeals, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
But this movie is so brutal on Jennifer Tilly. But I think it also speaks like, you know, she makes the just sort of Julia Roberts comparison comes up a lot. Like, why can't my career be like Julia Roberts? But Jennifer Tilly is like the classic actress that Hollywood has no fucking idea what to do with. Because she's got yeah. that like strange voice. She's got yeah. that sort of sex pot image. And they just mm-hmm. put her in like those kinds of roles over and over again. And then when she gets too old, they're like, I don't know what to do with her anymore. Yeah. I mean, she's 60 now. Like, it's kind of awesome. And I'm surprised they didn't take more cracks at her voice. Like, there's, there's like, two jokes about her voice. It is funny, because I think that if Jennifer Tilly was making films in the 40s and 50s, she could have made a mint as a femme fatale, because she's got the unique voice, she's got the curves, you know, she could totally play all of those film noir roles, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the reasons why Bound kind of works. Yeah, I was going to oh, say, yeah. I, I, I know you haven't seen it, Joe, but yeah, that is 100%. I know it's not a Bound podcast, but apparently in the commentary of this, she was saying how she wanted the Gina Gershon role, like she wanted that role. And she refused to do the movie if she didn't get it. And they basically cast Gina Gershon without telling her, but they still told her, oh, yeah, Gina Gershon's going to play Violet. Violet being the role that Jennifer Tilly did play. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I "I met Gina Gershon. And then she was like, oh, yeah, I'm playing Corky. And she was like, what? No, I'm playing Corky. And then she, like, realized how good they were together. And then now that's how Bound came together. Really? Oh, interesting. (laughs) So basically, Jennifer Tilly's career is just people pulling one over on her. Yeah. Oh, this poor woman. She's been through a lot. <laughs> but like, she uh, the Hollywood story, gaslighting. Yeah. But she has a good attitude about it, and that's why she's still working. You know, is because yeah, she's one hundred percent. She's willing to be self-deprecating, and she's willing to sort of like play into the stereotypes around her. You know, which she very much does in this movie. The success of this movie hinges on Tilly. Like, if you don't have oh, yeah. her doing the things that she's doing, if she wouldn't have been willing to go there with her self and tiffany this movie wouldn't be nearly successful but she is all in and that's why it's even though again i still think a good chunk of the jokes don't work anything about her does and it's because of her Uh, i wouldn't say that a good chunk of the jokes don't work i would say a couple of them aren't quite as successful and the britney one falls flat but honestly i was kind of cackling through a lot of this (laughs) (laughs) i think you were just cackling at the like the pure absurdity of it right I mean, it is such an absurd film. Oh my gosh, yes. In a good way, you know? Yeah. Looking at my reception of it, though, I wonder, like, had Curse, which again came out, oh god, nine years after this, had Curse and Cult not been made, I wonder if I would feel the same. Because again, what if this is how the franchise went out, you know? Mm, Yeah. What if we didn't have Curse, which goes back to the horror roots of the franchise, and then Mm. Cult, which kind of mixes elements of seed and curse together like it's more of like a bride of chucky tone where it's like kind of funny but kind of scary but like not really scary yeah i think it's kind of hard to go back once you go this far with the camp factor of it like i'm mm-hmm. I-, I was actually surprised that he went back i guess the fans were kind of calling oh, for him that was you know, fans 100 return to horror but it it's kind of awkward because it's like you go all the way with the camp in this one and then the next one it's like you know much more serious and it's almost kind of jarring and tilly is relegated to a fucking post credit and i love curse i think curse is great and i that that could have gone theatrical and like made good money i think had seen not existed but yeah you fucking reduce tilly to nothing and then even in cult she has more to do but barely Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like the same role, per se. Well, because she's Tiffany as Jennifer Tilly in Cursing Cult. <laughs> right, yeah. 
I'm curious, what did the two of you think about the fact that this is yet another body heist film? Because we spent quite a bit of time praising the film for being innovative and, you know, moving away from horror and going into camp and comedy. But at the same time, this plot is very similar to Bride of Chucky, (laughs) where they're basically just looking for human bodies that they can project themselves into. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's the whole thing with these movies, right? So how do you even get away from that? That's basically an element in every film, right? Yeah, but to me, like the body heist, it's your skeleton, like your bone structure. But it's like the least important part of the movie because you're just like, okay, cool. They're doing this again. Whereas the second, the Bride of Chucky is like a road trip movie, you know, with Catherine Heigl and what's his mm-hmm. face. Yeah, we don't talk about it. I like Catherine Heigl, but whatever. No, no. I just, I mean, the humans in that film are so boring. Like they, to me, are how the two of you describe Glenn Glenda, where every time it kind of goes back to them and mm. their blah romance, I'm just like, nope, please right. go back to but the again, dolls. I think that's by design though, because again, the Tiffany, like you've said earlier, the Tiffany Chucky dynamic is the most fun and entertaining parts of these movies. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, the fact that Cult and Curse work as good as they do is, you know, pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah, this is just a goofy movie, and, like, plot means nothing. So the fact that it is just another body heist movie, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Like, I didn't care. So the fact that, like, when they actually get to the actual body heist at the end, I was like, oh, right, I forgot. Mm, They're doing yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's almost secondary to everything else. So I don't know if y'all are like into this as much, but because like, the heart of Dumbala was introduced in Bride, yes. it's never been <laughs> needed before until Bride. But I also love how they add this other thing where the fucking spell is on the back of the amulet in this one. That is, oh yeah, funny. yeah. Because <laughs> in the in Bride, she has to use the um, Voodoo for Dummies book, but in this one, you know, it's on the back of the thing. Right, right, right. Can we talk a little bit about the deaths? We started to talk about John Waters, but I feel like we should talk about, like, I want to talk about S Club 7. Okay, wait, now, what is S Club 7? You're talking about the assistant, but what is that? What is... You don't know what that is? No. I'm sorry, that, that sounded really dickish. Um, S Club 7. Well, okay. <laughs> so the only reason I know what that, that is is because my sister used to watch this show on ABC. The terrible Family, TV show, yeah. This S Club 7 in Miami. Okay. That's so bad. So, Joe, tell him whatever this is, because I, I know it's a band. Yeah, so S Club 7 is one of those manufactured British bands. It's kind of like a Robbie Williams thing where they were trying to make them famous in the States, but they decided that a TV show would be like the right way to introduce them so that they could then sell records and do mall tours and that kind of shit. So they had this show where they were staying in a Miami hotel working for this doofus guy who was taking advantage of them. And essentially every episode was them trying to find enough time to rehearse and do like a big gig because they were going to go and put on a show, but they also had to run errands and do wacky hijinks for this guy who owned the hotel. So she was one of the girls. All the girls were, actually all of them are pretty hot. So they're like the Spice Girls. They're basically teen Spice Girls. Yeah. Okay. Wait, so were they all girls? I thought it was a group of girls no, and guys. Three. I think it was three girls and two guys. Mm. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and they would, like, every episode would culminate with them doing a song, and they would have choreographed dance and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, it didn't work. They didn't Wait, when famous. was this? Uh, early 2000s, I think. So. Yeah. Wow. I'll, I'll look it up while you, while you continue. Well, it, it obviously really caught on. No. Well, oh, my, y'all, my sister, <laughs> my sister loved this show. So, S Club 7 in Miami ran from April 
8th through July 1st of 1999. It was only 13 episodes. Wait, 13? Oh, really? I remember it being like years and years of my life. That yeah, I no, across my si- I feel like my sister told me about it all the time. There's 13 fucking episodes of this shit. Where did where did this air? What what was the... Well, it was on BBC One, and okay. uh, it looks like Disney Channel UK, but in the States, I believe it was ABC Family. But so what? So no, no. But back to the assistant. So what is? Was she one of the girls? She's is, one of the girls. Okay. Wait, y'all. I'm sorry. So it was called Miami Seven, renamed S Club Seven in Miami. The show was taken to America, where it was aired on Fox Family from 1999 through 2002. There we go. Okay. Mm. So I guess in Miami is the first season of 13 episodes, but then it says there were four series seasons in total. Trace is still working his head around the UK television yeah. system, which we'll get to in a while because that's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, but the next the next uh, series was called LA Seven, and then it was Hollywood Seven. So they went from Miami to LA to Hollywood to Viva S Club, which was because it was probably on a fucking boat, Barcelona, Spain. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. This so yeah, it was four years. It was four seasons. So this was a f- this was a phenomenon in Britain, but clearly did not. No, the the translate. three the three afterwards like after Miami, like it was all in America. So like, it was on Fox oh. Family. Oh okay. So wow. again, my sister worshipped this show. Anyway. Sorry. All you need to know is that she is one of the. It must be four girls then, four girls and three guys. If I'm not googling girls. this anymore. No. Anyway, all you need to know is she was a member of the group. I don't even think she was the famous one. They all look interchangeable. But as soon as I saw her, I texted Trace because I was convinced that it was Emma Bunton from the, from the <laughs> Baby <laughs> Spice. Has, oh my God, Baby Spice is in this. And then Trace was like, "No, S Club Seven." <laughs> They went for Baby Spice. They couldn't get her. Yeah, she was too expensive. Y'all, her death is the least, is like the worst one in this movie. It's like the not good death. She just got burned alive, right? Yeah, and she like, yeah, her corpse looks cool. That's the part I like. It's when she hits the ground and you see her smoking corpse face. Yeah, Mancini loves his steam. He does. (laughs) And then what other deaths? So there's there's Redman. Redman. S Club 7. There's... (laughs) There's the there's the um the decapitated uh technician. Oh, the, the technician. Yeah. It's technically the Santa. This is a makeup effect, but the the back muscles on Tiffany when he unscrews her back panel, I love that. Ah. It is so grody. Grody. Oh yeah. Okay, I have a question. In the other movies, I don't remember in the earlier films, did they always have like blood no, and stuff inside of them? So. I don't remember that. In the first one, the thing was so when he started bleeding, he was like, I've been in this body too long. I'm turning human. So the longer you're in the body, like the more human you become. But he'd obviously still be a doll. And once he became permanently human, he couldn't transfer his soul. And so that's why it was like he was on the clock. Okay. okay. And it was the same thing in Child's Play 2. I think maybe the same thing in three, but in three he's going for like the little black boy Tyler instead of Andy because Tyler's younger, and there's some race jokes in there that aren't probably as ha- haven't aged very well. Oh god! And then Bride, they just have the heart of Dimbala, and there's no time clock on it. Period. Yeah, Got which it. is why they can take a road trip. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why his semen. That's why they fuck in Bride of Chucky and they give birth to Glenn Glenda. I mean, again, the rules are ignored. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. No, doesn't matter. No. If you're looking at this franchise for continuity, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. maybe you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. With this movie, it's fine. Because it's like, does it matter? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, 
All you need to know is that they had a kid and apparently they can transfer all of their souls into any human being they want. And split Glenn Glenda's soul into two souls. Yeah, that's interesting. This that's is also odd. the only Child's Play movie with tits. <laughs> I did laugh so much. Okay, are we are we talking about Tiffany's tits? Well, there's two sets of tits. There's Tiffany's tits, which, by the way, have a windshield wiper sound effect <laughs> when she lowers her dress. <laughs> and there's also the tits of the woman in the opening sequence in the shower. Oh, yes. right, 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 right. Who I felt bad for. I mean, I know that they were going for the psycho homage, but I was just kind of like, that lady didn't need to take her top off. Yeah. Uh, pretty gratuitous. Yeah. I did like the image of the dad going over the banister with the POV, like him getting stabbed repeatedly as he falls towards the ground. That's also the trailer, by the way. So the teaser trailer was like a CGI image of a fetus and a uterus and like, you know, text, blah, blah, blah. And then it turns and it's Chucky's face and it's like, see to Chucky. Whereas the main trailer is mostly the opening sequence with that family before it cuts to, you know, flashes of other shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, you guys. I just realized this is a secret pro-choice film. Because you got to abort that shit out. Like, your baby could be Chucky, so that's why we need to be able to have abortion rights. But they don't get that far. Like, Jennifer Tilly never once even says, like, I have to get this out of me. She does, She does, really doesn't have time. I mean, she's, she's, yeah. she's like, fully pregnant in a day, you know? <laughs> You've literally got one day to make your decision. Yeah. Which is, you know, tantamount to what you yeah. folks are doing in the U.S. with your six-week heartbeat. I mean, I don't even think Planned Parenthood would help her at that point, you know? Yeah. I did want to ask you guys, so I mean, I'm kind of reverting back to the body horror, uh, the body switch stuff, but what did you think about Chucky's decision to want to stay a doll? If, uh, if, if you thought, if you even cared, period. I don't know. Because that, that was the whole conflict between he and Tiffany, right? She wanted to be a, a star. I mean, hers is much more understandable. I mean, why mm-hmm. wouldn't she want to be Jennifer Tilly, for God's well, sake? Yeah. I appreciate the fact that he was like, I don't want to be your driver. Because I was like, yeah, that's not a great life, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does have fun being a doll, I guess. So there you go. So yeah. just to tell you all how seriously Brad Dorf takes this role, that line of like, I'm staying a doll was the one issue Brad Dorf had with the script because he told Mancini, he was like, I don't under, like, Chucky would not do that. Like Chucky would absolutely want to become human. That's his entire arc for the past four films. Why would he change his mind now? And that's when they added the limo driver line. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't uh, want to be your limo driver. Right, right. And that appeased Dorf to be like, okay, that makes some sense. <laughs> yeah. Enough for him to, you know, continue. Yeah. 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 To be honest, Redman's death did kind of surprise me because I did actually think that they were going to follow through on it and have it be Chucky and Tiffany go celebrity in Hollywood. But then you'd have, you'd be stuck with Redman in this franchise. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that if this film had been made in the 90s, that role would have gone to Coolio. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Easily Coolio. Yeah. I mean, Redman is Red is Redman still doing things? I don't hear Red about Redman Red, much anymore. It is it is Redman, you guys. There's no Redman. It's Mr. Redman. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was just like John Waters saying it incorrectly, and they're like, "Oh, that's good. Let's go with that as a running gag." That's funny. Uh, yeah. Let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, because you know John Waters doesn't know who the hell Redman is before he does this movie. Oh God, I know, right? He'd be like, "I'm sorry, who do I have to interact with? Where's <laughs> Kathleen Turner?" <laughs> Oh, right. my God. Yeah. I got to interview John Waters recently. Oh, my God. That's one of my dream interviews. I love John Waters. He's one of those fantastic people who will answer you 
Like he will answer your question with whatever response he feels like, not necessarily the answer to whatever you are asking, mm. which is delightful. Yeah. Because he's like, I don't fun. need to answer your question. I will <laughs> give you an answer. And you're like, yes, you will. Because you are fucking John Waters. Yeah. So given the negative reception that this film got, this isn't a Jennifer's Body situation, you know, where it's like kind of getting a a tide turn where, you know, people are going back and appreciating it again. You know, I still think, do you realize that you just made a really funny joke? What? It's not a Jennifer's body, but the whole movie is about Jennifer Tilly's body. Oh, (laughs) no, I didn't. Oh my God. Cut that part out, but like, leave my joke in (laughs) my unintentional joke. Anyway, this movie, again, if you go back and if you ask people like, what's your least favorite Chucky movie, they're going to say seat of Chucky. Like it's still that. I think a lot of these people probably haven't watched it in a long time. You know, this is like my whole, my, this is my whole, thing with like not trusting my own opinions from five years ago or ten years ago I like revisiting things because my opinion my perspective is always changing right Mm -hmm. so whereas I might have really hated this movie like when it very first came out however old I was at that point you know ten or I know I was older than that (laughs) just go with ten I'll just go with ten I think I may have hated it but I think you know now that I'm my perspective has changed and I'm more open to I guess stuff like this or the sort of campy stuff i guess just accept it chris you're a campy queen i'm and a campy you, queen you can appreciate yes when you yes. see it on the screen so yeah so i think people need to go back and watch this movie again absolutely i agree and i especially think our listeners and granted we have a mix of queer and non-queer listeners but i especially think that queer people need to go back and watch this because i think you'll see a lot in this that might resonate with you more than you realized it might have 15 years ago and three people by all means just fucking get some beer and watch it and it's awesome yeah if nothing else you can definitely appreciate the tilly stuff yes well and if you can't you're a monster (laughs) 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean i i laughed out loud so many times during everything she did it was ridiculous if nothing else, if she doesn't get another great movie to do, at least like, one of the last things she did was like a Cinderella story three or something mm-hmm. as the evil stepmother. At least we have this. Yes. Right. No, she's she's an icon. She's definitely an icon. I just wish that Mancini would have given her more to do in those sequels. Like, you know, you, you surprise reveal her at the end of Curse. Spoilers. And then you don't use her for all of Cult. It's just really upsetting to me. I do love how she, how invested she is in this franchise. I, oh, she, yeah. I mean, she know, she understands, like, what these movies did for her, you know, and keeping her name out there and keeping her working. And Because I think on Twitter, wasn't she talking, like, it was like the not my Chucky hashtag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, like, she, I love that she's, like, that into it, you know? She, this isn't just, like, I mean, it is a paycheck for her, but I think she's more invested than that. I appreciate that about her. Yeah. I would love to just get drinks with her. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> We're not Absolutely. even talking about the movie anymore. It's just no, Trace wanting it's to it's have the Jennifer Tilly podcast. Yeah. No, she's amazing. And, you know, I'm very, very pro Jennifer Tilly. Shall we move on to a game? Yes. Okay. I love so, that we're getting to play a game. There's two different games. One of them is only for me. <laughs> And then the other one is for you, too. Okay. So which would you rather start with? Let's start with yours. Okay. So because I knew that I would be made fun of for not having seen as many of the Chucky films, I thought it would be funny for me to predict what will happen in Curse of Chucky, since I have not seen it. But I have seen Cult, so I kind of know maybe where the arc goes. Okay. I I haven't... I, I think I saw Curse... It's one of those movies that I've seen and I like, it's like an information dump. Like I don't remember a ton about it. So 
I'm going to kind of defer to Trace on answering some of these. Oh, I can do that. P.S. Though, you really should watch. Curse is, like, really good. Oh, it's, as always, it's not like I don't have an intention to see it. It's just that I never got around to it. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'll do it. Okay, so what I think happens in Curse is that we follow the adult versions of the twins as they struggle with their homicidal nope. tendencies. Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, so just, just a heads up, Glenn Glenda are not anywhere in Curse or Cult. Like, not even mentioned. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And th- that's an issue Which is I have. interesting, because that... It's, it's not because I want to see them, but it's like, you introduce this plot line. But I think because fan reaction was so bad to Glenn Glenda, right. he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, if the film does so badly that you end the theatrical run of the franchise and are then relegated to VOD, you might say, okay, well, that didn't work, so I'm not going to do more of that. So uh, do you have more Do you have more things to say? Because I, I have an interesting thing to say about Curse. No, take it over. I mean, that it was really just me trying to be like, okay, yeah. well, what could happen? But if you're like, nope, that's not it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not on the right track. The, the, the cool thing about Curse, which it's not going to really affect you if you've already seen Cult, but basically it was marketed as, you didn't know if it was a reboot, if it was a sequel. They didn't tell you, oh, this is like the sixth one. Like, you know, this is a sequel. And mm-hmm. so you walk into it, like, you know the premise is, okay, Chucky is at this house. It's a one-setting movie, all in a mansion with, you know, Fiona Dorf in a wheelchair and he's killing people. And the people were pissed because the design of Chucky was off. And it was like, it looked really weird. Because that's the only thing Child's Play fans can complain about, by the way. is like, oh, he doesn't look the same. Okay. Right. Okay, wait. Do we need to do, like, mega spoilers? Because I think there's a twist, right? Well, I mean, do you want me to say it? Do you want me to spoil it for you? I think I already know. Okay. So, yes. Major spoilers for Curse of Chucky. Um, if you don't want to hear them and you haven't seen the movie, please skip ahead. Basically, though, it is revealed that it is a sequel. Because there's a point in the movie where the uh, Fiona Dorf's sister peels the makeup off of Chucky and it reveals his stitches. So it is, you know, like the mm. seed of Chucky, like uh, the right. bride of Chucky look. And it's revealed that basically Fiona Dorf's mom was pregnant with her and she was having an affair with Charles Lee Ray before he died. And like she like, broke it off with him or something happened and he got pissed and tried to kill her and stabbed her belly, which in turn stabbed Fiona Dorf, which is why she's in the wheelchair. And, like, that night was when he was running away is when he got gunned down and put his soul into Chucky. My God, it's so Carrie, too. It is. It's really cool. After it's done, so like, when it ends, you know, everyone is dead except for Fiona Dorf, and she gets taken away, and, you know, she's put in the mental institution because they think that she did it. And the movie ends with her going mm-hmm. to jail. But then the credit sequence has Jennifer Tilly mailing Chucky. <laughs> And it's like a really funny scene at like at the post office and you know like she's doing her like little shtick and then he gets mailed to Andy. And mm. that that was the post credit sequence which by the way is not in the Netflix version of the movie. It's in the, it's in the unrated version and Netflix only has the R-rated version. Ah uh, yes. And so yeah, so basically the the, the post credits tease is you know Andy's at his house and it is Alex Vincent returned and Chucky cuts his way out of the box and stands up and then Andy has a shotgun ready and just blows his head off and <laughs> that's the end of the movie which Right. Which is where Cult, Cult picks, picks up. up. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. And so like when you watch it, it's kind of like that Final Destination 5 thing where you're like, oh, they tie this together really well and you weren't expecting it. And it's a low budget, one setting movie, but it's really cool. Hmm. That sounds interesting. I, I, so again, we're not talking about the entirety of the franchise, but I was surprisingly taken with Fiona Dorof in Cult. Oh, she's great. 
Like, it's just another really clever thing that Don Mancini did, where he was like, I've got these ties to Brad Dourif. And then, you know, Fiona Dourif is an actress. And he's like, wouldn't this just make perfect sense to bring her in and have it be a continuation of like a family affair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't remember if she is his daughter in the franchise or if like, you know, the mom was like pregnant by someone else, but then like, you know, still fucking Charles Lee Ray. But I think she is his daughter. I think I could be wrong, though. Make the most sense got a halloween to that shit up right yeah well and with the ending of cult when i mean spoilers for cult but she gets to do a fucking brad dorf chucky impression it's great it's so good <laughs> yeah. yeah okay time for game number two this one oh. you two get to play and actually all of the listeners will also get to play so this is your homework response so you can post it on the twitters or on the facebook group so in this film i think we're all in agreement that the britney spears joke does not work Right. Correct. I do 100% though believe that Chucky would kill a celebrity. So if Chucky could kill anyone famous, who would he go after? Oh, I feel like he'd go after someone really pretentious. Okay. Maybe like a James Franco. (gasps) Oh my gosh. How fantastic would that be? See, and I was going to say, if it was the mid 2000s, it'd be Paris Hilton. But this was the mid 2000s because like, you know, the House of Wax shit. This is true. James Franco would be great. I was going to say maybe Kim Kardashian or Kanye West. Right. Okay. Mm. So a false celebrity as opposed to a poser. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Apologies to fans of any of the three. Although, okay, this is so, like, this is not probably very nice. Like, what if it was like Amanda Bynes? Oh, poor Amanda. She hasn't been through enough. You know, she's just trying to get, she's just trying to get through, through fashion school right now, you guys. Just leave her alone. (laughs) Jesus, Trace, that is like a hate crime. I know, I I went there, I went there, I apologize. I mean, I love She's the Band. (laughs) I fucking love uh, What a Girl Wants, and Sydney White. (laughs) Wow, you're maybe the only one. I I might be, I still I think you may have been the only one to see that movie, as a matter of fact. I own the DVDs of all those movies. Trace, that is not a qualifier. You buy everything. <laughs> yeah, but like only the things I like. <laughs> well, so Joe, who was yours? Who was my pick? I think he would try to go for like the cream of the crop. So mm. I could imagine him either, you know, thinking about this film, I could see him going after like a Julia Roberts style figure. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, who's the Julia Roberts of now? Oh, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. People hate Anne Hathaway. Oh, Anne Hathaway. This is true. Yeah. I love yeah, her, yeah. but people hate her. Or in keeping with Don Mancini's queer ideologies and how pro-feminist, pro-sexuality this would be, maybe like a closeted gay politician or like a Harvey Weinstein. Ooh, Harvey Weinstein would be good. Ooh, that'd be cool. Now, for all of these, though, would it be the actual people or would it be impersonators, like low-budget impersonators? Gosh, it'd almost be funnier to have a terrible impersonator, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for Weinstein, yeah. But I mean, like, to watch someone kill Anne Hathaway, which, again, I love Anne Hathaway, but it's always funnier when it's the real person. And you don't, but you also don't want the real person necessarily to be on, in on the joke, either. It's almost funnier when yeah. they're not. Do you know what Jennifer I mean? Jennifer Tilly says, hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everyone has the comedic sensibility of Jennifer Tilly. Or the boobs. <laughs> Amen. This is true. She's got a good set. She does. And she's never shown them except for in Bound. Because I think after Bound, she had a no nudity clause. Really? Well, she's like, I showed them once and that's 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 enough. You can go back to Bound if you want to see them again. It's yeah. been a while, but I did watch the Bride of Chucky commentary when I was younger. And apparently, like, when she's doing the striptease for um, Alexis Arquette, you can see her areolas. 
And she made a comment in the commentary that was like, I have a new nudity clause and you can totally see my nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, gaslighting the Hollywood story of Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Yu was like, it's fine. We can't see them. We can't put see them. Put it in. <laughs> that was a very Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct moment for her. Yeah. I swear we yeah. can't see your vagina, Sharon. Just keep going. Just keep crossing. Well, that's right. You cross at, at this point. At that point, people should have known to trust Verhoeven. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that was that, sh- that was her mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's continue Love blaming you, Sharon. women. <laughs> Sharon Stone, if you listen to this, it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so we're gonna end the podcast before we get hit with yes. too yeah. many lawsuits. Yeah. Uh, but as a reminder, listeners, we want to hear your thoughts. Who do you think Chucky would kill? And if you think it would be different, who do you think Tiffany would kill? And on your rewatch that you hopefully did this week, what did you think of Seed of Chucky? Did your opinion go up or go down, or is it still the same? Watch it again. You have to actually watch it. Yeah, like don't fucking like don't test me. Don't refer to your opinions from two thousand and four. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, turkey based of that shit up. <laughs> but before we announce what we're covering next week, we'll do some housekeeping. So, Chris, would you like to plug anything? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris J. Egertson. E-G-G-E-R-T-S-E-N. Yay. That's too hard. You need a new last name. I know. I Chris really got Eggie. screwed on that. Chris <laughs> Eggie. I had another Twitter account that was Eggie, I think, but I <gasps> An I know alt account? I, I stupidly oh. discarded. I had like a personal and a work account. Oh, I was yeah. like, I'm just gonna, uh, you know. I guess have one. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, managing more than one social media account is kind of crazy. And on that note, actually, a good segue. Uh, if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me at Traced Thurman. And you can reach me at Beast on my remote. That's the letter B. And if you're tweeting about the podcast, please use the hashtag HorrorQueers in your tweet so we can find you. Or we have just started as of today. So um, by the time this episode drops two weeks ago, <laughs> a Facebook group for the podcast. So please go look for Horror Queers on Facebook and you can talk to us or other listeners and suggest movies for us. Tell us what we did wrong. Tell us what we did right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know you, but I want to know you. So it's great. Um, you can also email us at HorrorQueers at gmail.com. If you have two seconds, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating or a review if you have a little bit longer. And uh, if you like what you've listened to and want even more content, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash horrorqueers, where you can sign up for exclusive bonus episodes each month. Uh, our latest ones are going to be on Ma, which I loved and Joe did not, and TV shows like Nosferatu. Plus, and we haven't announced this part before, but if you're a patron, whether you're a $3 or a $5 patron, you'll get a newsletter on the first of each month that will let you know our entire film schedule for that month. So you get advance notice of what we're covering. And on that note, Joe, what are Mm -hmm. we covering next week? Well, in honor of the great national holiday that approaches (laughs) Canada Day, we're going to watch Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, Trace is not a fan, so no. I don't know how this is going to go because I've stacked the deck. Our special guest is also Canadian, and we're going to gang up on you. I'm not not a fan. <laughs> I just like, I remember when I saw it, I was like, eh, it's fine. So we'll see. So this is your 2000 rewatch. Like 19 years later, you're going to be like, okay, there ain't no turkey baster, but I'm a big fan. Yeah, I haven't seen it since high school. So it was like, you know, 0304 when I saw this movie. So, I mean, I- I'm interested to rewatch it. It's in my living room right now, ready for me. So we'll see. All right. All right. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Oh, uh, no, thank for you. Coming, this is so much fun. I love this guests. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let the record show, I managed to go for 90 minutes without fangirling over Chris. 
So I was Aww. a big fan of yours. He actually did say whenever we got you, he was like, I'm going to fangirl so hard. And I was like, why? <laughs> Not nice. that I don't think you're amazing, by the way, because I've listened to your podcast. I've read your shit. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. My podcast that is on hiatus. Permanently. permanently. Yeah. Well, that any- made me very sad. <laughs> Any podcast that has an episode on Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion is pretty much a guaranteed subscribe for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we're still figuring out the sound at that point, but oh, that's okay. Much. We have we have episodes like that still too. I mean, we've been going for th- four months. It's great. <laughs> oh, okay, so pretty new. Yeah, yeah, pretty new. Yeah, still working out the kinks <laughs> a little bit. Wow. I don't know. Trace doesn't like to be tied up, so we're still figuring it out. We're learning a lot about, about each other's sexual preferences, and um, oh. as we've discussed in this podcast, our affinity for cum. It's great. Uh, okay, wrap this up. <laughs> I mean, I like cum, but I wouldn't like it if you gave me a bowl of cum soup. Like, I wouldn't just eat it, you know? You wouldn't just dive right in. Right, right. Jesus. Like says, I Trace. <laughs> Sorry. I think, we, I think we need to test this out. <laughs> I, I, I'm open to it. Anyway, by all means, though, I think now we can cross out Seed of Chucky. Yes, and cross out Horror Queers. And one final thing, if you've listened all the way to the end, give Mr. Mancini some love on Twitter and the social medias just to show some solidarity. Yes. Absolutely. All right. This episode was brought to you by the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, delivering your weekly horror podcast fix. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit bloodydisgusting.com backslash podcast network.